Hi, this is Mark, lead pastor of Lux Digital Church. I want to thank you for joining us today and also invite you to join with us live at twitch.tv slash Church every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. EST. Thank you for joining us and please enjoy this message. Church family, hello and welcome to Lux. My name is Mark. I'm the lead pastor here at Lux Digital Church, and I just want to say thank you for being here with us tonight, especially if you're here for the very first time. If you've never been here with us before, we want you to know that we've prayed for you, we've been thinking about you, and you are our honored guest. It's a privilege to be able to have you here with us, and whenever you feel courageous enough or you want to um, and you feel comfortable to drop a follow here in the chat or to say hello all that we want to do is welcome you and tell you that we're glad that you're here we don't want to do anything weird if you hit a follow on the chat we're going to send you a dm here on twitch just letting you know that we're here and inviting you to join us on discord we're not going to do anything strange we just want to let you know that we're glad that you're here i see flat cap throwing some fives in chat and if you're new to our community you may not know when we throw fives in chat it's our way of you know you have five fingers on each hand if you're lucky and uh, and you can clap them together so those are the fives and i just want to say thank you we put some fives in chat for doc and for david and really for our entire dream team guys you guys don't know this but there's a team of people that show up every single week pre-service um they pray together they share together they make sure that everything runs smoothly online and in person there's a group there's an army of volunteers behind what makes lux what it is and that is a product of the people who've just come and volunteered and they've said i believe in this thing this really unconventional this super strange this really weird thing that in some ways like i believe in it and i see it and i want to see people inside the gaming community find hope and find restoration and find spiritual guidance and that's really what we're all about here at lux and once again if you're here for the first time i just want to say thank you for being here we're actually in part five of a six-week collection of messages where we have been focusing in on mental health and Every other week, we have been going to our key statement together, and it's the one thing that we've been actually saying out loud, which is unique to us, because I usually don't ask you to say something out loud ever. I just give you the key statement that links together all of the messages in a particular collection of talks. But this key statement we've been saying out loud, and I'll tell you why, and here's what it is. We're going to put it on the screen. I am stronger than I have permitted myself to be. I am stronger than I have permitted myself to be to be. Now, as we've been diving into the conversation around mental health, the reason that we've been bringing this up and the reason that we have been saying it out loud with one another is because I believe that when it comes to mental health, too often we start in a position of defeat. This isn't a self-help mentality or just like a say this statement and it fixes all of your problems. In fact, it likely fixes none of your problems. But I do believe that when it comes to the conversation around anxiety, addiction, and tonight what we're going to be talking about, depression, that I think starting from a place of victory and strength instead of starting from a place of exhaustion and defeat is important as we enter into the conversation you know i was meeting with somebody last week it was actually i hope you don't mind me sharing this violet but i was hanging out with violet last week and he had just said how that statement had kind of clicked with him in week one and how that had made an impact and as i was reflecting on that i realized that there was a there was a point in my life and i shared this with him um that i i sat around a table with my grandmother um, a couple of years ago and we sat there and talked about my grandfather who had passed away um, some time ago and as I sat there talking about him they had talked about all of the various things that my grandfather had done throughout his life and some of the stuff that has just been it, it was just incredible and I realized that my grandfather was somebody who lived without fear 
like he came home one day and he dug a hole and he built a house <laughs> without all of the knowledge to build a house. And in that particular season of my life, I had convinced myself of my many weaknesses, of my many shortcomings, of the many places that I wasn't trained enough or I wasn't equipped enough or I wasn't prepared enough. And as my wife and I sat around the table with my grandmother and she shared story after story of what really was the truly magnificent things that my grandfather did, it encouraged me and emboldened me. And I realized something. I was stronger than I had given, my, given myself permission to be. And I think many of us are more capable, more equipped, more passionate, and more prepared to be everything that God has intended us to be than we give ourselves credit for. And when it comes to the conversation around mental health, and especially tonight's conversation, which I'm going to give you a couple of disclaimers here in just a moment before we dive in, I believe it's important for us to start from a place of victory and of strength. Before we get into this, I have to be honest. This is the third conversation in the list of subjects that we were hitting. And if you're new that tonight and you don't know this, we've been talking about something one week. And then the following week, we've had a professional mental health professional come in live on the stream and have a live Q&A and conversation with that person. So on week one, we talked about anxiety. On week two, we had a counselor who specializes in anxiety. Hey, Fox. Good to see you. Fox Mythical. Hello. Welcome in, my friend. My name is Mark. I'm so glad. It's such a privilege to have you with us. Can we get some hellos for Fox? Mythical in the chat dream team. We're so glad to have you here. Thank you for being here with us. In week two, we talked about addiction and I shared some of my own heart. Chino Mage, thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for being here, my brother. And the following week, we brought in Brady, who's my personal counselor, and we talked with him a little bit. And this week, we're going to be talking about depression. And next week, our very own Mackenzie, who's literally in chat right now, who is a mental health professional, is going to be joining us. Just graduated last week, finished her doctoral work. She's going to be joining us and talking about depression with us. And so as we've been going through all of that, I have to be honest with you. I've dealt with anxiety. I've dealt with addiction. I actively am dealing with addiction issues in my own life that I'm working for sobriety from, but I have not struggled much with depression. In fact, if you look at the actual definition of depression, which we will in a bit, I may have never really dealt with it. There's seasons in my life that I've been sad and there's been circumstantial things that have caused problems for me. And if you look far enough back in my life, there may be a time in elementary school when my mother was really sick that I may have suffered from some form of adolescence depression, but I really wouldn't have been able to tell you exactly what it was. I didn't want to be alive. I was struggling with self-worth, all of those sorts of things. I hated who I was, but I wouldn't have been able to put words and say this was a season of my life that was depressed. But in my adult life, as I've been able to consciously look at my life and examine it and make decisions about it and think critically about what's going on, I've never really dealt with depression. And as we enter into the conversation about depression, I realize that out of the three, this is the one that I have the greatest opportunity to do damage with. Now, we had an opportunity to hurt people with anxiety. Guys, let's just be clear. The church has done historically a terrible job at talking about mental health. We just haven't done a really good job at communicating about that in a really healthy way. The church has either ignored it or oftentimes the church has just prescribed and heaped on guilt or shamed people or, or prescribed more prayer or more Bible reading instead of actually encouraging people to find health and giving them tools for mental stability. And now there's a reason for that. There's actually passages in the Bible that back up the fact that we should be praying and we should be in our word in order to help with our mental stability. But there's actually legitimacy to that. And spiritual leaders who had no proper training in anything psychological, who they had church members who they genuinely loved and cared about, who came to them for help, tried to give them the best advice that they possibly could, and oftentimes instead heaped on shame and guilt and pressure instead of truly lending a helping hand. 
Now, one of the problems when you come and you talk about mental health in a venue like this is there's 40 or 50 or 60 people who are live in our chat tonight. And mental health is a deeply personal subject. It's different for you than it is for me. And mental health should typically be dealt with in a one-on-one -on -one conversation. It shouldn't be dealt with in a venue like this. And here's the reason why, especially with something like depression. Because out of anxiety and addiction and depression, this being the mental health subject that we're talking about, this is the one thing as we look at it and we have a discussion about it that is most closely related and connected to medication. So whenever I enter into the conversation about this, I realize there's people here in the chat who are dealing with depression who don't need medication and to recommend or to suggest medication would not only be far outside of my league because I'm not a medical professional, but it could also be damaging to them. And there are people who are here in the chat who need to seek out more professional help and potentially medication. And if I ask them to not do something like that, it has the chance of doing significant damage to them. It could hurt them significantly. And so when I walk into this, I walk into this knowing that I walk on a knife's edge that I inevitably fall off of. So before we get started, I want to make a couple of things really clear. First, I'll be making suggestions tonight that I believe can help anybody dealing with depression, but your unique life situation is simply not something that I can speak to. I'm speaking in general terms, and it will be directed at people who I believe can treat their depression with some adjustments to mindset, habits, and lifestyle. If you need more professional help, please, please, please seek it out. Second, I won't be dealing with diet or exercise or anything else like that. Why? Because I'm not a mental health professional. Therefore, I'm not qualified to give you advice in that area of your life. That does not mean that throughout tonight, I will not be thinking that those things are important. And it doesn't mean that I don't think changes to your diet or changes to your exercise or anything else are unimportant to you because they will, they are important. It's just the fact that as a pastor and not a mental health professional, I don't have any right nor the opportunity, really. The, the training to give you advice into those areas of your life. So there may be other tools that are at your disposal that you should take advantage of in your battle for mental stability and mental health that I'm not going to suggest tonight. It doesn't mean that I don't think those things are important. It doesn't mean that I don't think that those things are things that you should do. It simply means that as we have a conversation tonight, the key and the focus of our conversation is going to be centered around how our spiritual life can and does interact with the world of depression. Finally, my goal for tonight is not to describe more prayer or more religious activity as a solution for depression. There is no part of me that wishes to heap guilt or more things upon you. My heart is for people to find freedom. So if there's something that you hear me say tonight that seems to be damaging or hurtful, I'm encouraging you, please discard it. I am giving you permission to discard things that I say tonight if you feel like those things are hurtful or harmful to you in any way. Because it's not my intention nor my goal, although I realize that if I'm not careful, it has the chance to be my impact. 
When I started this message, I wanted to learn more about depression because there was lots of things that I simply did not know. And there's probably lots of things that you don't know as well. And even after over a decade of being a pastor and doing pastoral counseling, I learned some things that were really helpful. So let me share a few of them with you. First, one in every 15 adults struggles with depression or major depressive disorder. And that may be higher in the online communities. In fact, it probably is. And I don't know what the stats are, but my guess is there's more people in online communities that deal with depression. And I don't know if that's because being in online communities causes depression or if that's because online communities simply attract people who are struggling with mental health problems. Whatever it is, I'm not sure, but I think there's a lot of people that are there. The next thing is depression really only gets qualified as depression if it lasts these down, like these negative thoughts and feelings and loss of interest and loss of appetite. There's lots of symptoms of it. If it lasts more than two weeks. So for example, there are negative situations in our life that bring about hurtful things that aren't necessarily depression, although they may lead to depression or be linked to it. For example, the loss of a loved one may last longer than two weeks, the hurt from that, but it comes in waves and isn't consistent. Or maybe the breaking up with a significant other may cause us to feel worthless or even become suicidal for a short time. But if it doesn't last two weeks, that doesn't necessarily make it depression. It may be linked to depression and it may lead to depression, but depression is not just a situational bad feeling. It is a long-term, consistent, negative reality that's in your life. And it helped me to really understand what that was. I also began to look into how depression is treated. And in the medical field, there's sort of a split between people who think that depression should primarily be treated with medication and psychotherapy. But the general consensus is that it should be treated with both. Inside the church world, we've often said that depression should be treated with more prayer. And although I think that prayer is important here at Lux, we consistently say that prayer is not a substitute for action. It's an action for which there is no substitute, which means medication and psychotherapy should not be replaced by prayer, but it also should not replace prayer. It's my belief that potentially counseling or psychotherapy, medication, and a robust spiritual life are all necessary in somebody's experience to strive for or fight for mental health and freedom from depression. So with all of that being said, in this 10,000 foot view, that's awfully not even that helpful of a definition of depression and a, a very vague understanding about how depression is typically treated inside of the medical field. And once again, at a 10,000 foot view, it obviously is not something that, you know, we, I can get into in great detail here, nor am I equipped or trained to do so. My question becomes, is there anything in the Bible that actually deals with the concept of depression? Is there anything in scripture that actually deals with depression? As it turns out, there is in more than one place. Let me start with the story of a young man named David. David was a young man who was the youngest in his family, the smallest in his family, and the son of Jesse outside of a small town in Israel called Bethlehem. And one day, a man named Samuel, who was a prophet, came to Jesse, his father, and said, I'm going to anoint or pour oil on one of your sons to appoint them to be the next king of Israel. Now, normally, kingship would be handed down from father to son, but in Israel, the prophets held the right to anoint and appoint the next king. So while Saul, the first king of Israel, remained king, Jesse was there to appoint, or Jesse was there, Samuel was there to appoint one of Jesse's sons to become king. The problem was David was an afterthought. He was so young and so outside the picture that he was left in the fields as all of his brothers were brought to see Samuel. But inevitably, in the end of the day, David becomes anointed king. 
We see him later picked up in the story of 1st or 2nd Samuel whenever he comes to a battle between the Israelites and the Philistines. There comes a point in time whenever he's bringing food to his brothers who are on the front lines and he sees a large man, a champion of the Philistines, come out to goad and attack the Israelites. Now, if you've ever seen the movie Troy, which I really like the movie Troy, there's a scene towards the beginning of it where the armies that Achilles is a part of is facing off against another foreign army. And they send out this giant dude with this huge weapon. I think it's a huge spear. And then Achilles comes out to fight him. And in it, there's this single combat of the two champions of the enemy nations. And whoever prevails is the one who wins the fight. It helps prevent bloodshed. This is a similar situation. There is a champion that came out named Goliath. Goliath, and David, being a young boy, armed with a sling and a stone, marches out against him to fight him and prevails. He then gets taken into the king's family, eventually becomes a military leader, a general who leads Israel to many victories, eventually becoming king of Israel, and he becomes the most prominent, important, and beloved king in the entire history of the nation. Now, I am telling you all of this because it seems like David's story was really good. In fact, there's entire books of the Bible that are dedicated to David and his story. He's an incredibly important Old Testament figure. But there's something that's even more significant. It's that much of the book of Psalms was written by David himself. He penned the words. And a lot of them don't depict a life of, of glory and grandeur, but a life of sorrow and deep, deep suffering. Let's look at Psalm number 13, verses 1 through 6. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. For my enemy will say, I have overcome him. In my foes, I will rejoice when I fall. My, my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. It's commonly believed that David wrote this after the betrayal of his son, Absalom. But the truth is, it could have been written after any number of negative realities that had happened in David's life. It wasn't all glitz and glamour. For David, he was the king, but he also had to fight Goliath. He also took someone's wife and then murdered the man who he took. He also was tried to kill, Saul tried to kill him as a boy. And he was driven from the land and lived with a group of ruffians in the desert, in the wilderness, where he was hunted like a fugitive, although he had done nothing wrong. There's a point of time where he is captured by the land of Gath, and he has to act like an insane person just to save his life when he's paraded in front of the king. There's a point when his son, Absalom, uh, betrays him and uh, rallies an army and pushes David and his family out of the city. And then he has to turn around and fight Absalom and weeps and mourns when his son is killed by one of his army generals. The reality is there were many things in David's life that were incredibly difficult, and he was often left in the absolute depths of despair, despite the fact that God had done so many magnificent, beautiful, and incredible things in his life, despite the fact that God was never done with him, despite the fact the Bible actually calls David a man after God's own heart. We also see David in the depths of despair. There was never a time as a king that foreign nations weren't warring against him 
and there weren't people inside of his own kingdoms who were trying to have him killed to steal his power. There was always something going on in David's life. And although we see the glories of his life in the book of First and Second Samuel, really Second Samuel, we also see the pain of his life penned from the thoughts that were behind the crown in the book of Psalms. He dealt daily with the traumas and the problems and the histories and the things that had come before him, his regrets and the pain of his past and his current circumstances. There's another character in the Bible named Elijah that kind of has a similar, well, not a similar story, but another sad story. Elijah is a prophet of God during a time when Israel had disobeyed God and abandoned him to the point that the king of the northern kingdom, because Israel had split into two, the northern and southern kingdom, had abandoned God and was worshiping the pagan and ritualistic Baals, the gods of the four nations around them. He had married a woman that was wicked and evil and was oppressing the people and forcing them to worship and even sacrifice their children. Elijah came out of the wilderness and challenged the worshipers of Baal to a showdown, God versus gods, on a mountain, Mount Carmel. Elijah's God shows up and the worshipers of Baal, their God does not. That day, over 450 prophets of Baal are slaughtered on the mountainside. And when Jezebel, the queen at the time, hears about it, she's infuriated and sends men to find Elijah and have him killed. He flees into the wilderness, and after he leaves his companions, we read this from his own lips. In 1 Kings 19, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judea, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he may die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Elijah was likely at the pinnacle of his life, the very peak of his ministry. He had freed Israel from 450 prophets that were leading them astray. And yet, after the height of his ministry, in the lowest point of his life, he wants to cash in his chips and live no more. And he's not the only servant of God who is in these situations who were traumatized by the things that they had seen and the things that they had experienced, that their stories and their narratives weren't easy, and the difficulty of their lives caused them significant pain to the point where they no longer wanted to live. Now, I don't know if this perfectly captures what you've been going through with depression at any stage in your life, but I can tell you this, that the feelings that you have if you battle depression are echoed throughout the words of Scripture in men and in women who did magnificent, history-altering things for the glory of God. The truth of the matter is, depression seeks to distract us and disconnect us from joy and truth and hope. Which means, from my perspective as a follower of Jesus, who believes that God is the source of joy and hope and truth, depression seeks ultimately to disconnect us from the source of all life. Depression speaks in half-truths. It's always lying, always deceiving, always destroying. It's, it's malicious and destructive, not benign and not unintelligent. It desires to sap strength, purpose, and freedom from people's lives in order to prevent them from being everything that God intended them to be and impacting everyone that God intended them to impact. Yet God has still worked mightily and magnificently through people who have fought tooth and nail for freedom 
from depression. And perhaps you're in a similar situation tonight. Perhaps like David, you feel hunted even though you've not done something wrong. Perhaps like David, you've dug yourself a hole when he took a man's wife and murdered the man and now you're dealing with the the consequences of your decisions and you're unsure of how to get out of them and they're leaving you in a low place. Perhaps you've been betrayed by someone who's close to you when Absalom had ejected David from his own kingdom. Maybe like Elijah, you've come off the highest of highs and you're experiencing the lowest of lows because you simply cannot seem to get off of the emotional roller coaster ride up and down, up and down. Maybe you just don't feel anything anymore. Originally, you were sad and now you're just numb. The reality is depression seeks to isolate us. It communicates to us that nobody cares about us and the people who do care about us simply would be better off without us in their lives. We feel as though we're dragging people down and preventing them from being all that they're intended to be. It whispers lies into our ears telling us that people would be better off if we simply were not part of their life. In the isolation, we learn to depend on it. And like Batman needs the Joker, we learn to depend upon our depression because what was once our nemesis now becomes our nemesis and our shield. We've learned to be protected by it because we don't know how to function outside of it. We've defended against anybody who would seek to break us out of the mood swings and the dark places that we're in because for us, numbness has become the only thing that's brought us comfort. We don't know how to care. We don't know how to build relationship anymore because we have embraced depression in fear of what life might be like if we found freedom from it. So often in our life, change is scarier than anything else. And I've met with person after person after person who's not just chained down by the weight of depression, but want out and simultaneously want to stay in. I'm telling you, my friends, that there is hope and there is freedom through Jesus Christ. There's opportunity to not live in it anymore. And that God can and will still be able to do magnificent things through your life. No matter where you are in this struggle. God wastes nothing. Before I get into the last two very practical bits, I want to make sure that I reiterate a couple of things. One, I am not asking you to pray away your depression. Medication, therapy, and a robust spiritual life may all be needed to fight for freedom. Two, I am giving advice from the point of view as a pastor and as a spiritual leader, not as a doctor. Eating right, exercise, and changes to your thought life are all important and central parts to recovery, and they could and likely should be part of not only your recovery plan, but also part of your safety plan. I am not talking about them today, and that does not mean that I don't find them to be important. And tonight we'll actually release a couple of additional resources that Mackenzie had sent to me over on Discord for you to make use of. Because if you need help, I want you to get the help that you need. Reach out. Find somebody. Don't do it alone. You're not unlovable. You're not too far gone. There's hope and there is a future. First, Remember that God isn't done with you. The two things that I think are important, Messiah, Aaron, good to see you. We all suffer. The shadow work is just as important as the light work. Absolutely. Good to see you tonight. Thanks for being here. Voimasa, welcome to church. Thanks for being here. 
Remember that God isn't done with you. Your story isn't written. The last letters have not been penned. The sentence has no period at the end of it. You are a work in progress. What you're going through may not be what I'm going through or what somebody else is going through, but we're all going through something. God is not done with you. Elijah thought God was done with him when Elijah wanted to cash in his chips. David thought God was done with him when he was hidden in a cave hiding from Saul. There are many people throughout the scriptures that thought God was done with them, but he wrote amazing, beautiful, history-altering things through their life. God is not done with you, and he does not waste anything. The season that you're in has intention and purpose, and God will use it if you will allow him. He's not done writing your story. Number two, turn to God first. Turn to God's truth first. Now, this is a hard one because like I said earlier, depression always speaks in half-truths. So depression says to you when you fail a test that you have failed a test and are a failure. The half-truth is you failed a test. You flunked it. The lie is that you are a failure. And there's a significant difference between I have failed something and I myself, are, I am defined as a failure. Depression speaks to you and says you're a burden to others. And you might be. You may be in a season of life where what you're going through right now is a burden to others, but depression twists it and turns it into something sinister and says that everyone in your life would be better off without you. Depression always speaks to us in sinister and sadistic half-truths. It is a ruthless dictator that dominates life, isolates people, and destroys hopes and dreams. Don't allow it to do that to you. Speak God's truth first. And in case you don't know what it is and it's hard to remember, let me give you a few of them and we'll put these in Discord as well. Psalm 9.9 God is my refuge and I will always have a safe place to go. Jeremiah 29.11 God has good things planned for me and my God loves me. Psalm 23.4 I am not alone. Psalm 41 through 2, God hears me and can bring me out of this hole, whether I've created it or I've been put in it. Psalm 34, 18, God is not far from me. He is close. Ephesians 2, 10, I have value and I am important. Psalm 139, 13 through 15, I am not an accident and I have purpose. Listen, these scriptures and these statements won't fix everything, but they have a chance to help. And if we memorize them and put them into our heart and we live those things out and we go to those truths first instead of the half-truths and the twisted and sadistic lies that depression speaks into our brains, we have a chance to fight back against lies with the truth. The truth is Satan, our enemy, is the father of lies. It's his native tongue. He always seeks to prevent everything that God intends to do through your life and through your life in other people's lives. He has a plan and a purpose for you. You matter to him. Your life matters to our father. And it matters to us here at Lux too. We want you to know that we love you. We care about you. And you are not alone. 
There isn't one person who calls Lux their spiritual home that isn't screwed up, myself included. Every one of us has problems and addictions and hurts and hang-ups, anxieties and bad days. But we live standing hand in hand, allied together, because we believe that God wants to write a story that is bigger than our problems and our deficiencies. Because we know that our Father is sufficient where we are insufficient. And He'd be sufficient where you're insufficient too. I want you to know that you're loved here and that we appreciate you. And if you're hurting, there's a place to heal here at Lux. Thanks for being here tonight. Let's pray. Oh, my next step. My next step. Our next step this week is this. I will remind myself of God's truth this week or encourage someone battling depression. I will remind myself of God's truth this week or encourage someone battling depression. Some of us need to write down these truths. And we need to remind ourselves of them every day. Some of us need to call a doctor and set up an appointment. We all have a part to play. Some of us is encouraging somebody or being a listening ear to someone who needs it, even when it's inconvenient or interrupts our day. There's a battle to be fought, and we are all called to step into it. Let's pray. Father God, I love you, and I thank you for tonight. I pray, God, that you would fill us with your spirit and that you would provide freedom where there previously was enslavement. Lead, guide, and direct us. Help us, Lord, to be everything that you've called us and impressed upon our hearts to be. Give us freedom and hope. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Lux Digital Church. If Lux has been having an impact on your life, I want to encourage you to visit us at luxdigitalchurch.com and get connected to our community there. We're so thankful for you and we appreciate you. Have a blessed day and a blessed week.